Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste. Hi, Jenny. How are you doing this morning? Oh, just super duper. We're recording pretty late for me. So to be fair, I've been up for, and I wish I was joking, eight entire hours at this point because it's 11 a.m. Oh my gosh. (laughs) This crazy woman. Well, we have a guest with us today who is more like me and likes to take the weekend to sleep in a little bit. (laughs) So Nandita, can you please introduce yourself to our audience and tell them where they can find you? Hello. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Nandita, and you can find me on Instagram at Divine Dita. And I cannot tell you how excited I am today because I listen every Tuesday, and I'll just put it out there. I say things into the universe so that they'll come true. And one day I was listening, and I said, "Um, I hope I can be on Punk Rockers one day. And lo and behold, here we are. That's super to hear. We're so glad to have you here. Of course, I was blessed to actually meet you in person, which was fabulous. And so it's, it's really nice to have you on, uh, on the podcast. I'm really pleased. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Well, because Nandita is such a prolific sewist, we decided to have her on in our usual introductory period where we talk about what we've been making lately. So what have you been working on lately, Nandita? Well, I actually just finished a pattern test for Karamia Patterns, and it is the chive sweatshirt and dress. And so right now, it's all cut out, ready to go. I just have to change my needle, is the dress version. And I'm really looking forward to it because I'm thinking the way the back is done, it's got a real nice curve to it. So that's going to mean I don't need a sway back adjustment. So I'm really excited about that. And I'll be honest, I tend to do my adjustments with what works for me. And so you'll see all these traditional tutorials on how to do a sway back and pinch it out and add this and add that. I go ahead and put in a center back seam and I call it a day and I feel great about it. I think that's a great way to do it. And that's my preference. I think you will find you don't have to do much with it. Um, I know I, I didn't, um, I think on my first one, I made some assumptions. I was like, I bet this isn't really going to cover my ass. So I, I graded out, (laughs) I ended up having to pinch it right back out. So for me, at least it's, it's the absolute perfect, um, location and amount of, uh, sway back. So it's, it's really nice. And what kind of fabric did you use for that? I actually, the, for my test, I did a Liverpool because I know it has a, a love-hate relationship with many makers. I personally like the texture of Liverpool yeah. okay. as well as I like the mid-structure. So it's not overly structured. It has a little bit of give. And I feel like it keeps the garment in place, if you will. So I used okay. a Liverpool for the test, but for my dress, I'm using a French Terry. And I've actually ordered some more for the upcoming holidays. Of course. When I say holidays, it's leopard and flowers. So that's my holiday. I, 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 I don't rhyme or reason to what I consider festive. <laughs> so I'm waiting for that. But what I like about it is I think that it really is a great transition piece. I plan on layering it during what few cold days we have. And then come spring, summer, I'll wear it out with sandals. So I, I kind of nice. like that piece. I like that in a garment. You know, can I wear it? I have very limited seasons where I live, but can I wear it if it were to get cool? and then wear it in the summer. Nice. Nice. 
I, I love it. I've been looking for um, knit sweater vest to wear over it because it's got those really nice statement sleeves. And my thinking is, as it gets colder where I am, if I have a sweater vest over, it'll keep my chest nice and warm. So I'm, uh, I'm looking for things like that. It's it's adorable. <laughs> well, after I saw yours, that houndstooth, I, I thought, oh, wow. Because really, that's what it comes down to. And if we, this could be a whole nother conversation, but my relationship with knits, you know, you never really know until you touch it, at least for me with the woven, I can go through the weight, I can figure out without Mm -hmm. sight unseen. When it comes to knits, even if you do all the said research, you don't really know how that particular weight is going to look and drape and even the stretch factor. I'll put in the clear elastic in the shoulders. I'll do everything that I need to to reinforce it. But there's just something about some knits that just look kind of like mad to me after a while. And I don't even, I don't dry any of my clothing. It's all line dry. So I get really particular about that. You'll notice as we get into our conversation, I have a lot of little things I get nitpicky about. Well, you know, I find that to be true with knit fabrics too. And what I find is when I find a, because mostly I don't buy them in person because there's not that many choices locally. Um, I don't, there's, you know, I, I, I like a nicer knit for a t-shirt or a sweatshirt or something. And so I gen- tend to buy them online. And then I have a place that I know this one's good. And so I get from, you know, buy from them always and like, please get some more colors or something because I like, I like this, this feel of this knit. Agreed. Now you've got to be a lot more specific than that about where you're hiding all of your good knit fabrics online. Oh, I go to, I like style maker fabrics for, uh, for knit fabrics. Um, for my t-shirt, they have a, a modal blend that I really, really like. Um, and they tend to, I really like their their jerseys there. I find when I order online, no matter where I, where I get it, and I haven't tried style maker yet, it really is a, a crapshoot for me when it comes in, whether I'm going to be happy. And French Terry is one I hadn't used a lot of, and I've been elated uh, on having it recommended for this chive dress at how much I've, I've really liked it. Now I'm going out of my way to sort of seek out some French Terry, which is not I my am norm. As well, same for me. French Terry immediately. I'm like a towel because that's what yeah. I would just equate it. I'm like, oh, <laughs> the loops inside will get caught up on something, and then there you go, it's ruined. And I think a lot of that has to come with what we may have worn when when we were younger or children, and so we haven't realized that maybe that French Terry was kind of like a double knit of the 70s and 80s. Now it's really come a long way because I'm yeah. with you. I don't. I only owned. Um, maybe two pieces, two pieces of French Terry. And I've only made French ter- Terry twice. So this will be my third time. So I ordered some more because I'm I'm with you. I wasn't really sure that this was going to be the knit that I, I really liked. Like I know there was a time when scuba was really popular. And here in Florida, I I, I detest scuba. I don't. When would you it. wear it in Florida? Oh my no, gosh. It. It, but it has gorgeous <laughs> structure. And really you can get those ruffling and the pleats to look just I mean, stellar, but I just immediately, I look at it, I sweat. Yeah. yeah. E- even here, I'm in, uh, I'm in the foothills of the mountains in North Carolina, and I find scuba has a real limited season for me um, in terms of being comfortable because I'm not spending all my time outside. I'm inside climate-controlled buildings that are kept at similar temperatures across the U.S., I would imagine. And it, 
it just doesn't feel functional for me. So I agree with you. That's uh, that's interesting. Beverly, what have you been making? Well, um, I I don't think I've told everyone, but I've finished my finally finished my Moon and Broad Spinifex PJs. So that was my first foray into actually my first Moon and Broad pattern and my first foray into using piping. So that was uh, an interesting thing to learn. I'm glad I learned that. Um, and I had promised to do some itch to stitch Mountain View jeans. And I did. I made a twall and I made the actual jeans. The twall version, I used really inexpensive fabric that I got from, from uh, uh, Nick Time Fabrics. And um it was not as stretchy as my super stretch stuff. So these jeans require either 20 to 30, anywhere from 20 to 30%. I would, I would go to the 30% based on measurements um, that I had, you know, that I used in it. Um, so I made their size 10 and went out to a 12 at the waist. The cool thing about this pattern. So this is, um, I don't know if you know about these Nandita, but these, these, this pattern is a pull on jeans, this itch to stitch. Okay. Um, Mountain View jeans is pull on, which I was really worried. I have a, a wide waist for my hips. And so I was really worried that they were going to be fall off jeans, you know, because they're, yeah. <laughs> you know, so straight in there, but you have a, a chance to put some elastic at the top of the waistband as well. So I, but the cool thing is the waistband is really wide, like maybe four or five inches wide. And so you can actually do your grading from the hip because the, the, the top where the waistband gets attached actually is at your hip. So if you're grading from the hip to the waist, the only thing you have to grade is in that waistband. And so that's hmm. so much easier than having to grade the top of the pockets, the top of the, you yeah. know, the lining of the pockets, the, the yoke on the back. You don't have to do any of that. It's so much easier. Um, so anyways, the first pair that I made, it did not have enough stretch and I could get them on, but I could not sit down. And I like to sit down. So I, <laughs> so the next ones I knew, I knew they weren't, you know, ideal or whatever, but, and they were a little bit short. So I, the next ones I made a little longer, I did not change anything, but I used the super stretch denim from Robert Kaufman and I love them. They are so comfy. I think they look beautiful. I would always, of course, wear my shirt down lower. I don't think the top looks great if it's pull on jean, like, think it looks a little weird, but maybe a little maternity or something, but it feels great. And, um, so I just, and anyways, I usually wear a long shirt over my pants anyway. And, um, I would really like to make some more, if I can find some, uh, wove stretch woven with 30%, that's hard to find, I think, but I also bought some 30% Ponty and I'm going to try to make it in that. And I don't know, I don't know how that's going to go, how Ponty jeans are going to go. Maybe I won't do like the same thing with the top stitching. I have no idea. But anyways, that's that's what I've been working on. Well, that's super neat. I, I know that you've been excited about some new jeans. So that's exciting. Wonderful. Yeah. I've been primarily Cara Mia's chive dress because I tend to I tend to fall into a rut and just follow it for a while. And I've still got some fabric left to make some more out of. One of my favorites is my houndstooth version, which is a uh, what I'd call a mid to heavyweight jacquard knit um, that I really feel like I may have picked up at Joann's, but it may have come out of some other stash location, some other previous purchase. Um, 
It's a little bit warm for right now. It, it probably needs to wait a little bit further into the season because it's a heavier weight of a sweater jacquard knit than I normally wear, but it, it looks cute. And it's, it's such a great pattern for being able to wear to work, which is really critical for me having things that look professional in the office. So I'm really, really enjoying that one. Um, as well as having uh, the, the best of times with the Fox Hill dress from um, Kashmirat's new book, which is the one that they do out of Ponte. I've honestly, I've, I've been using French Terry, <laughs> which is in no way resembles Ponte. So it's, it's a very different sort of a thing, but it's, it's been working because it's a fitted princess seamed bodice with a, um, with a panel skirt. And so I, I, it's worked. I think it's been very nice. <laughs> I've been quite satisfied with that one. And then uh, finally, I've gone back to Made by Ray's Trillium dress, um, which I somebody on Instagram, when I posted one the other day, asked how many I'd made. And I was like, oh, I've made a couple dozen. And then I realized when I took the video like six months ago, I'd made over 35. So wow. I'm, I'm, I'm coming in on 50 at this point. Um, I only have about a dozen of them still in my closet because I make about 300 things a year, which means... I, I definitely don't keep the vast majority of them. My closet holds maybe 50 pieces at a time. Um, but I, I love it. I think it's, it's an amazing dress. It hits my comfort level just right. I know exactly how to cut it out. It doesn't matter how tired, how stressed, how anything else I am, I can cut out a trillium dress and not make mistakes, which is, is a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> there are plenty of dresses where I go to start cut them out. I actually have right now in my scrap fabric bin a dress I tried to cut out and partway through it, I'm like, God, I'm not even on the grain. <laughs> and I had to get rid of it because I was really, really stressed, but trying to get something done, right? Because sewing's my happy place. And it just, it was a terrible mistake. I went and watched television instead. But but with the Trillium, it's really hard for me to mess up. I'm just, I can autopilot that thing, which is fabulous. And I love the details on it. It's got that neckline that can be just curved or curved with like a little um, keyhole, not quite a keyhole, but a little U-shaped divot that dips down at the center front. The back of it, of course, you can shear by putting elastic in your bobbin, or you can put a casing, or you can use really wide elastic and zigzag it three or four times, or you can use like I did today, I used eighth of an inch elastic, zigzagged five rows of it, and, and things like that. There are just so many detail options there. The sleeves that it comes with are a cap sleeve that's just a, it's an oval that you cut out and apply the raw edges to the raw edge of the, I mean, it's, it's so simple, but it's folded over on itself. So it's self-lined. <laughs> it's, it's just the best dress. It's such a comfort sew for me and it's so comfortable to wear, but because of the elastic in the back, you end up with a dress that doesn't have to be fitted precisely but that looks like a fitted garment, especially from the front. So if you're wearing it with a cardigan or a sweater, nobody knows your secret elastic trick in the back. And if you aren't, it still looks just really pulled together and polished. So um, I, I like to think that that helps to move us into talking a little bit about comfort. But we also have some questions for our great guest today. Can we start start with some questions? Sure. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Um, Nandita, we'd really like to learn, um, how did you learn to sew and were there people in your family that sewed or did you learn this on your own? Well, it's funny you ask because actually my entire family sews, but I didn't learn from them. 
So in an act of defiance, I refused to learn. Like my mother would say, let me teach you. I'd say, nah, that looks boring. I don't want to. And I did nothing. And she had me enrolled in every craft you can think of, macrame, crochet, knitting, you name it. She enrolled me, whether I wanted to go or not. And so I would begrudgingly do those things. Um, latch hook. She, I don't know how many latch hook things she made me oh do. My God. <laughs> but that was such a thing of the age. I made so it many really, latch hook so, things. Latch hook and macrame. And I remember <laughs> it was in my elementary school cafeteria that we'd have to gather and we'd have this teacher. But as far as sewing, like I said, my entire family sewed. I learned nothing. And then in college, <laughs> I had a part-time job. And I worked for Cloth World, which was bought by Joann's. And yeah. I, I took a look at the client base and realized that these people, and please forgive me, did not seem like they were uber talented. And if they could do it, I could do it. So I <laughs> sought out. Sought out. <laughs> so here, yeah, I'm admitting it. I think highly of myself even back then. <laughs> so then I took some classes and one class led to another, led to another, led to another. And before you know it, I was sewing. But at the time, I really wanted to decorate my college apartment. So I did home deck. And then that I got married, did everything for my home did everything for my second home, had children, did their layettes. But clothes construction, I would get really caught up in sizing and fit. And so I got really fed up with myself more than the sewing. And so I just, at that point, it was all tissue, by the way, too, all big four. That's how I learned. And I just couldn't wrap myself around it anymore. So I basically packed up the machine, put it in a closet and went on with my life for 10 years. So 2005, I put it away. 2015, I started looking at the things that I was buying and realized that this, again, like I had done in college, this doesn't seem like it's all that hard and started again and kind of started as if I had never sewn a stitch before because PDFs had come in. People were doing it that were in my mind cool. They weren't, you know, just kind of sewing together, cobbling skirts, which there's nothing wrong with skirts, right. but the, what I had envisioned in my mind. And then I said, okay, let me make a couple of items. And then that self-challenge turned into, okay, well, let's lose, use the stuff that I put away which was like upholstery fabric. I used it all. It, it didn't matter. No rhyme or reason. Anything that I could get my hands on, I used. And then I realized that maybe I need to go a little bit more and not buy any more clothes aside from undergarments, which I have no desire to sew. And maybe jackets, because again, no desire to sew those. And I don't really need a whole lot. And I'm proud to say I have not bought any ready to wear in, what is it, 2021? In over six years. Wow. 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 That's great. That's great. So I, uh, I, I can relate to a lot of that though. I have not, I have not quit entirely buying ready to wear, but like you, I only buy the ready to wear that I'm not prepared to make. And, and I can, I can definitely, I think definitely really, really feel that. Now, when I tried to teach my daughter to sew, she reacted somewhat like you did. And she did later go back and teach herself. So annoyingly, my daughter taught herself to sew, even though mm -hmm. I put in all my efforts to try and teach her. Um, I also use upholstery fabric for, for sewing. Um, you get some really neat body out of it. 
<laughs> you do. And it's a textile. And if you are taking care of your textiles a way that suits you, like I said earlier in our conversation, I don't put anything in the dryer except Jenny, when I pre-wash and treat my fabric before I sew. <laughs> and that's just to remove any residue that may have been in shipping. And if there was to be a sh any sort of shrinkage, it would take care of itself. Because after I've constructed the garment, it's never put in the dryer again. Mm. All line dryer. Yeah. My stuff does all run through the dryer after I've constructed it. And that that may give me some tiny advantage if I were to I don't know, fall down some sort of well that meant I started pre-washing things, which that couldn't possibly happen. I didn't definitely pre-wash a bunch of fabric this morning. So, oh my Lord, Beverly's going to be the death of me with her good habits. Um, oh my goodness. So I really want to know more about how you design and plan your makes, because the thing that's always struck me since I found you on Instagram is like the the unique spin that you put on on garments. It, it feels like everything, there's nothing to me looks straightforward. It doesn't look like you found a piece of fabric and you found a pattern and now you're just going to make it exactly as it's written with that one piece of fabric. Everything seems to have color blocking or flounces or rickrack or um, piping or extra, extra something. And it's amazing, but that that spark of creativity that takes you from one piece of fabric and one pattern into this combination that then is, is just so elevated. Where does that come from? And can I buy that? I appreciate that. Thank you. I think a lot of it comes from the fact that I have a great desire to be one of a kind. And that came from a place of deep-seated loathing early on in my early, I would say, adulthood, where like most people that I've heard on here, you know, trying to fit into things that were not made for your body or trying to read all the articles about what's quote unquote flattering or what colors you should stay away from. Or if you're short, don't wear this, don't do this. And so when I was able to finally start creating for myself, I wanted to be that statement piece and be the statement piece without any verbal cue, without any verbal cues. Here I am. This is me. I've come a long way. I'm proud of myself. And the only person who's going to love myself is me before anyone else will ever be allowed to say anything to me again. And it's not necessary where I sat in it and I, it just came where I love color. I've always gravitated towards it. So that's one of the reasons you'll rarely see me in black or, or really dark tones. Cause to me that equates with the voices telling me you need to wear black so that you'll look skinny. Mm. and I, I again, can see that yeah so with that being said um textile I love a textile I love the feel and texture of mixing and matching like you said the rickrack or if I'm doing something with lines I'll immediately say okay well what about a pleat finish because it's following the lines so I almost let the fabric and the textile lead me towards the trims and the finishes because for me the line drawing comes first and it does not need to have a lot of bells and whistles because my bells and whistles are going to come from the color and the texture that I add. And I think that just has to do with who I am and who I want to be. And that's somebody who not necessarily brings 
brightness to the world, but that if I'm exuding, if I'm being bright, then hopefully people around me will want to be just as true to themselves without me having or anybody else telling them who to be. If that makes sense, you know, if you're true to yourself, it's just going to, it's going to come from within you and it takes work. It doesn't just come because you see somebody either on social media or you read an article, it's got to come from within you. And it's, it's a long process, I believe. And for some who are not as fortunate are unable to, but for me, I've worked really hard to be where I am today, really, really hard. And I'm not going back there ever again. I know that when your images pop up on my feed, I smile every time. And the fact that I do helps me to understand when other people say that to me. <laughs> because, because I hear that messaging from others, and I'm sure you hear messaging like that from others regarding your feed. Both of you, yeah. And I still, I still have that tiny voice in the back of my head that's like, oh, that's very kind of you, but you couldn't possibly mean it effectively. And, and when I reflect on how others' feeds make me feel, I recognize that maybe there might be a, a kernel of truth mm-hmm. <laughs> in there. And, and you're definitely one of the, the smiley ones. You make me oh, happy every time. I'm, I'm glad. I, I feel I agree with you. There are, there are feeds. And again, my only primary social media is Instagram. That's all I use. So mm-hmm. when we talk about comfort, if I find that a feed no longer is offering me that comfort, I don't feel guilt-ridden to say, maybe I need to mute for a while. You know, maybe they're in a place mm-hmm. where they're, they're just not there. But for me, I wouldn't say that Instagram is an escape. It's a part of my practice in sewing. I find comfort visiting Instagram and looking at what I consider my friends and family of the sewing community. And I worry for them. I cheer them on. I, all of those things, even if we've never met, I'm rooting for you. But there are times when you have to step back and take care of yourself and say, you know mm-hmm. what? I want the best for this person. But at this time, I cannot really do much more than just say, I'm here for you, but take a moment, which for me, take a moment means mute. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've definitely had to do that. I know that the, the time period for me that's most fraught is as we head into the end of the year and start the beginning of the next, I have, I have sewist and other um, people that I consider inspirational on my feed that suddenly start posting a lot about their body size and the things they hope to do to change it. And I, I can't, I, I, it's just a thing. I, I can't, I can't watch without going down paths that are unhealthy for me. And so I, I utilize the same thing where I, where I realize that, you know, God bless you. I hope everything goes exactly as you need or want it to go, but I can't be part of that support system because I'm not, I'm not in a place where it would be good for me. So I can recognize that. Right. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I think actually it's a little bit more being transparent and honest to the whole, because you'll see people who, when I say people, I uh, the community that gets so overwhelmed and overburdened by social media, and I can see where that can happen. However, it's up to you to decide then how much of it you are willing to have as intake and how much you're willing to put out. And that's that's got to be on your comfort level. No one else's. No one. You don't need to stay. And it's not yeah. that easy. I know some people would probably say, well, yeah, I'm easy for you. But it does take practice just like anything else. 
It does. And the, and the fact that you can't do it right now, if you're in a place where you realize there are things in your feed that make you unhappy, but you're not ready to, to mute them or to walk away, then doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It just means exactly. that's, that's the place you're in. So it's, that's the place you're in. It's, it's an interesting one. And it's one that I, I, it took me longer to understand it for social media than in other spaces. I taught my girls many, many years ago that if there's a piece of clothing in your closet that makes you unhappy, it shouldn't be in your closet. If it's because it's aspirational to you, because it's a reminder of a thing that you may never be again um, in terms of body size, if it's a reminder of a past experience that that was unpleasing to you, don't, don't leave it in your closet. Get rid of it. Cut it up. Refashion it. Give it away. Sell it. You know, stuff another pillow with it after you shred it. Whatever it is you need to do, do that because life is far too short to have your clothing judging you. <laughs> so. Well, Nandita, you have, a, I mean, I see so many wonderful makes in your feed. How often are you sewing? I actually only sew in the mornings. I work in the afternoon and then in the evening, I like to watch TV and <laughs> that's what I like to do. Also, I, um, don't see as well in the evening. There's a lot of shadows Mm -hmm. that happen with my vision. So I tend to not like to do that in the evening. And I get so caught up in it that I lose, I lose time. Like I lose hours where I suddenly look up like it's three o'clock in the morning. Like what have I been doing? So (laughs) I've really have taught myself that I cannot do that anymore. So I sew uh, after I have my coffee and then I do that until it's time to get ready for work. And I probably would say on the weekends, maybe on a Saturday, a Sunday, again, for three or four hours, not a whole like day goes into sewing. I'll be thinking about sewing. I might be maybe cleaning up my room or thinking about the patterns that I want to work on. But as far as actively construction, only in the mornings. So do you so, have a dedicated sewing space? I do. I have a, I have a room and it is my sewing space. And I have a six foot um, folding table that I've put on risers for ergonomics. And then I have a little, we call a sewing table that you can see on the other side. And I have this really old futon that I've carried with me from every apartment I've ever had. And I just keep switching out the mattress in case we have company. And that's where I lay all my fabrics and decide what speaks to me. So if I'm thinking about making, let's say a chai, for example, and whatever knit that I would think might work for it, I kind of lay it out and then I walk away from it. So things take me a little bit longer. I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a prolific maker because I think about things for a while. I take screenshots and go outside of my home to see what I think about it in the light. I do I do all sorts of um, pre-planning. I think my listeners are going to say, this woman, she walks outside with fabric. Yes, yes, I do. So I think all of that's really interesting because one of the things that's come up in the sewing community on Instagram um, probably for decades, but whatever, recently that I've noticed is folks talking about um, slow fashion, but also talking about it in terms of productivity as a sewist, talking about, I, as I say, I make 300 items a year. I this is, this is my solace. This is, I have a very, very high stress job. This is where I find my comfort. And when I read these postings about taking the time and buying higher quality fabric and spending either more time on it, which I genuinely don't know how to do, um, or, or things like that. I, I can't figure out how I would, even if I cut my production in half, (laughs) I think I would still be making way more than this idea of being sustainable seems to call for. 
And I can't figure out what those steps would look like to make it a slower, more meditative, more intentional practice. And I I love some of the things you're suggesting there. But one of the things that occurred to me recently is I wonder how much of my my prolific output is about the fact that for 40 years, I couldn't buy anything that fit me. And I couldn't buy a pattern that fit me. And now that I can, now that I can make anything in the world, (laughs) I want to make all the things. I want to make 40 years worth of missed fashion (laughs) up as I learn what I actually love and am interested in. But I'd like to get more, I'd like to be more like you. I'd like to be putting out four outfits a month instead of, you know, 30, (laughs) basically. But you made a good point that that's your solace. That's where your comfort is. That's what helps you be as productive and uh, successful as you are in your, your day job. Because if you didn't have that, would you be able to sustain any quality of life? (laughs) I think my head would explode, but, um, but maybe I could function with that. Who knows? (laughs) But yeah, I I am interested in learning to do more of what you're describing. I, I like it. I think it's a neat, neat, neat practice, not mine, but a very neat one. I like it a bunch. So here's one I want to know, because I think you have things to say about it. What are your always must do rules? You must have rules, things that you have to do to make sewing right. Now, my yeah, Nita is, seems like a serious person. Like she might have that. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking probably it's the pre-washing and there's nothing else. Everything else is the wild west for you, right? Uh, sure, Jenny. Sure. Really? Are we looking like the Wild West here? <laughs> so the pre-washing, yes, the pre-washing takes place as soon as the fabric comes to my door. Even if I'm not planning to use it right away, it is pre-washed. It is put in the dryer. It is folded and hung in my closet on what I've got these basically like five tier hangers that you would use for slacks. Mm-hmm. And I fold it inside out and I, I put it in there. And I hang it in my closet. Um, if you saw how my trims are organized, I think Jenny's head really will explode. <laughs> because any Amazon or package I get, I cut up the boxes, I make slats in them, and I yeah. roll the rack. And then I also have, it's color coded, and by what style of trim. So the pom-poms are in another bag. Look, she's, <laughs> listeners, Jenny has fallen over. She's laughing so hard, she's fallen over. That's all... <laughs> It's all arranged. It's the color colors. coding that got me right it's up until I'm, I'm in favor of the flats. I don't color do coded, it, but it's smart. I think it's yes. brilliant to do that. It's color coded <laughs> and it's put in very large, oversized, clear, clear bags that yeah. I order online and that's all hung so that I can see it. And then I decide on the pattern and I really do love a good PDF indie pattern. I rarely buy big four anymore unless they're really on sale. And more than the pattern itself, I usually buy it for the sleeves more than the body. Yeah. So I, um, sleeves are dis- harder to draft and adjust on your own. If you can, and if you have enough sleeve patterns set aside, you can add them to many bodices. Exactly. I, I agree with you. Sleeves exactly. are, I, I, I'll buy something just to get sleeves. Exactly. So <laughs> I do that. And then I go ahead and I print out the pattern. I, measure each piece after I've put it together, regardless of what the measurement guide says. I measure the piece because many of the patterns that I use, especially, and again, I, I don't say this as a dig, but Australian and New Zealand, I find 
very difficult the sizing to equate into what my measurements fall. Not because it's not going to fit me, but it'll, I should fit into one size and I always wind up having to go down at least two. So I measure the piece. Hmm. And once I've measured the piece, I go ahead and I make, and I'm going to admit this, at least two to three muslins only because I like to just kind of get the, the length. I have to shorten everything for my height. So I do that. And then I use whatever scrap. If I'm taking part of dress that I've worn over and over again, I use that and try to use my scraps. And then I dive into the fashion fabric. So yes, yeah. it is a lengthy process, but it, again, it's where my comfort level is. That's mm -hmm. the whole practice for me. And I don't profess to say that I sew really complicated garments. I don't, that's not really my style. I like to basically style everything with accessories, the shoes, and the fabric does all the talking. So I can really, you know, I, it doesn't really have to be a very complicated sew, but the, I still treat it as such. And you, you do have amazing accessories and shoes um, for, for your items. So I, this is like the dumbest rule ever, but when I'm looking at garments to buy, I always kind of look at the number of pattern pieces <laughs> because if it's more than 10, I'm probably not going to be happy. I may make it still, but there's a decent chance I'm going to be like, this is a lot of effort. This has got to be really, really good because... <laughs> Because otherwise, I can probably find something that's going to scratch that itch that has fewer than 10 pieces. And if I'm super duper lucky, fewer than six. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I think fabric can do a lot for you. I don't think you have to have complicated design. There's a place for it. I have things I make that regularly use more than that. But man, when I open up a pattern and I'm like, oh, God, there's like 18. <laughs> it's, it's depressing. <laughs> oh my God, that itch to stitch coat had like 28 pieces. Nope. <laughs> That's too many I mean, the pieces. lining was separate pieces and yeah. Yeah. But it was, I, it was a lot of pieces. I totally get it, but I genuinely, it's like judging a book by its cover, right? Except in this case, I'm judging a pattern by its number of pieces, though I do judge books by their cover. Um, Me too. You can totally tell if it's going to be good, right? Yeah, like if you look at the cover. My favorite books are slightly oversized paperbacks that have that soft finish cover. And it yeah, doesn't matter what exactly. the images or the topic is. I know I'm probably going to like a book that's in that format. Yeah. Anyway, that's way off. <laughs> <laughs> That's way off topic. Oh my God. <laughs> so off topic. Um, I did have one more question for you, Nandita. Does anything intimidate you besides buttonholes? Well, you know what? <laughs> I thought about this question because I, I, I did think about it. And it's something that I feel like probably I should admit why I avoid the buttonholes and zippers. It's not because of the construction, because like I said, I took class after class. So mm -hmm. I know how to do a really good buttonhole. I know how to do an invisible zipper. I know how to I know how to do all those treatments. The key, the thing is, the zippers and the buttons reminded me of a time when things I could not button or if I would purchase it, the zipper would cut into my flesh and yep. the self-loathing that followed. So when I started taking sewing up again, I actively sought out patterns that did not require them unless it was mainly like a fashion aesthetic, you know, where you could put it on to be part of the trim per se, not for function. And I swore to myself that when I did begin sewing again, I was going to focus on what gave me the greatest joy and only do that. 
And that's not to say never. Like I just did a jumpsuit by Megan Nielsen and the buttonholes. I love, I love them. I'll make another one. It's not because that's of the, that. Which one is that? That's the, the Durban. Durban. There you go. That's in my cutout pile. It's sitting right over here to my left, waiting for me to cut out the pattern. And it, and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And I'm same with the zippers, you know, I could easily put it in, but the truth is that's one part. And the second is, is I have, um, tendonitis in my shoulder and bone spurs. And so my shoulder is a little bit shorter, my left one than my right. And so it's difficult for me to do back zippers as far as even putting, pulling them up. And so I thought, right. again, why am I doing things? Because why it's the newest pattern and everybody's doing it. It has something that doesn't give me joy. It doesn't give me comfort. So I don't do them. I think that's great. I, I really like that because it, it, it speaks to, to a number of different things, but I, I, I like that answer. That's a, that's a great one. Um, so we're already well into the topic of comfort and Beverly, I like to know what makes you feel comfortable in sewing. Well, so is everybody wearing something today that is comfortable to them? I yes. am. So but I bought it four years ago. I didn't sew it. Don't well, that's tell. okay. That's okay. <laughs> so, um, I'm wearing something comfortable and I didn't even think about it because it's a weekend. So I always wear something comfortable on the weekend for sure. And I'm wearing the Chris Woods parasol top mm-hmm. with so house seven free range slacks and it, those are elastic waist pants. And I find that to be incredibly comfortable. Things that do not, this is something that's bothered me my whole life is stuff that comes in at the waist, that comes in too tight at the waist, um, for me too tight. So I almost would never wear something like a circle skirt, right? Where the tightest part is at the waist. Um, or, you know, like I like, I like uh, straight skirts you know, where you can make the waist a little wider because it kind of, you know, comes in tighter at your hips. Um, and I like, um, you know, I like elastic waist pants. I don't know. I don't really like stuff that pinches at my waist. And actually sometimes even things that aren't super tight, but like if I wear tights with things and they have that waistband on them, you know, then it actually gives me a little discomfort. Like I think it, smushes up my organs or something. I'm just a little princess when it comes to my waistline, I guess. <laughs> but for me, things without a waistline, as far as garments go, is what, where comfort is. Okay. I, I can definitely, definitely see that. So since we're talking about what, <clears throat> what we're wearing, what I'm wearing is something I bought many years ago that is a, a hammer pants jumpsuit. <laughs> So it's, it's, it's hammer pants below here and it's in a jumpsuit form with sleeves. Now there is a company that sells something similar for children and adults, but it's um, spaghetti strapped. And I bought that pattern planning to add sleeves to it, but just have never quite got around to it. This is one of those things that was fast fashion. I bought it many years ago. It's very lightweight. It's not work appropriate in any way. And it's mostly what I wear when it's instead of secret pajamas, I'm going to wear actual pajamas all day long. (laughs) And today, since I was dying, I needed something that worked in that manner. But but for me, as I've already mentioned, because I have a really stressful job, sewing is my comfort. Just being, taking the time to do the sewing is my comfort. But the next thing that I found that's really required for me to feel, feel comfortable in my sewing, to feel that joy that we've talked about, 
is a pattern that was designed to fit my body. And I know I rant on about this all the time. And I know our policy on the podcast is you've got to get to a 56 inch hip at least in order to be mentioned. I have a 62 inch hip, which means there's still a shit ton of stuff we can talk about that doesn't fit me in any way. And, and it's so frustrating. It's still so frustrating to see the latest trend go around Instagram and click through and be like, oh yeah, eight clicks later, I know I can't fit that garment or 12 clicks, clicks later, I learn I can't fit that garment or worse. It looks like I can fit that garment. I buy that garment. I make that garment exactly as defined. And had I done what Nandita does and measured my pieces, I would know it's not going to fit my body. There's no chance in hell it's going to, it says it fits a 64 inch hip. But when you sew it together, it's 64 and a half inches at the hip. <laughs> and and if, you, if you had a pattern tester with those hips and they tried to sit down in it, they would have mentioned to you that this is not a sitting garment. <laughs> and so I find that super, 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 super frustrating. But all of that aside, the thing that I've determined makes me happiest is having my clothes be comfortable every day. I do not differentiate other than mornings when I'm dying stuff between work clothes and home clothes. Anything I'd wear at home, assuming that it doesn't show flesh that I'm not allowed to show at the office, is something I'd be willing to wear to work. And so I am always looking for secret pajamas, secret pajamas that are professional. (laughs) And that's why I love the chive dress because it's secret pajamas and it's 100% professional. I can make it unprofessional, no troubles at all by leaving it at the mid-thigh skirt length or doing the recent hack that Karamia did where she removed the back. And so I can do things to it that definitely make it unprofessional, but that's what I'm looking for. I am looking for secret pajamas. My most recent favorite should be released by the time this podcast comes out, and that is the Shiroko by Deer and Doe. Oh, <laughs> I I've had my eyes on that one. I've had my eyes on oh, that. Oh, that, that puppy is coming out in November, and I um, I have done two test sews on it so far and was shocked, shocked that it fit me, that it fit me beautifully because, first off, it's actually designed for a max 60-inch hip, so it's a little bit little bit smaller than my body, but I, I made no adjustments. I sewed it exactly as it was sent to me at that sized for 60 and it fits beautifully. I don't end up with obvious, uh, nether region outlines in the garment. It's the, the crotch curve is exactly right, but it doesn't look like it's too fitted in that way. When I sit down, I don't become a sausage casing in this. Um, It's easy to get in and out of for the bathroom, which I know can be an issue with a jumpsuit. It stays closed across my front. It's a faux wrap. Um, Every single thing about it works so beautifully for my body. And it is a 100% secret pajamas in the right fabric. I did discover on my second one that I made that in the wrong fabric, it just looks like pajamas. (laughs) There's There's nothing secret about it. If you choose a children's outer space themed fabric with astronauts on it, just looks like pajamas, not really appropriate for work. But if you use, um, as I did, a cotton and steel, uh, one of their cotton lycra knits um, with giant sunflowers on it on a dark background, that was a very grown up, nice feeling fabric. No white shows when you stretch it out or anything else. Just a beautiful fabric. It, it looks just like a really nice polished work outfit. So I was so excited by it. Oh, so that's exciting. Because I've been, I have had my eye on that. And then when I saw that there was an update coming, I said, okay, because 
yes, the pants on that kind of at first, when I took a look at it, I said, oh, I don't, I don't know. They look a little fitted in through the hips. <laughs> they, it, it has been perfect for me exactly out of the, the pattern. I, I am short-waisted. It's short-waisted a little bit. So I didn't have to adjust anything, but I'm also five foot six. So I'm right about what they're designing for, but the proportion of the chest to waist to hip using the body measurements provided and grading as I would for those body measurements, everything fit proportionately really well. I'm, I'm just enormously pleased with it. I don't know that this will become a tried and true for me because I'm not a pants person. So there's only so many of those I need. I'm, I'm in love with the concept of having a jumpsuit and other pant items that I somehow figure out how to make a part of my regular wardrobe but I've not successfully converted myself into wearing pants with any frequency. I love the Calders by Cashmerette. They fit very nicely for me. I like the look, but I'm, I'm still not a pants person. I like my jeans from Mana and Broad, the noise, still not a pants person. I, you know what I mean? So I don't know. It's like the Durban. I desperately want a woven jumpsuit pattern, but I know I'm going to make it and I will still not be a pants person, but I will make it because I'm, I, maybe I will be, maybe this is the one that converts me. I feel that every time so far, I haven't found it, but yeah. So secret pajamas, that's my comfort zone. What about you, Nandita? What, what, what is, how do you decide comfort for your sewing? I really love, like I'm with Jenny, a, a really nice dress. And I'll be honest, something that I was thinking before was, oh, I'm short, so I should wear shorter dresses, but I am in love with the midi style. I really love a midi dress. And I think you can wear, I'm with her too. I wear what I wear at home to work. So Mm -hmm. unless, so if I can wear it at work, I can wear it at home. I started again, my favorite TNT is the Lodo by True Bias that I just love that dress. And so I had made a bunch in the short version, tried the midi about a month ago and I'll probably have a dozen midi lotos because I love it so, so much. So and that's I like, wonderful, right? Yeah, when you find yeah. a dress that's oh. just a go-to. And it really showcases my love of fabric and it's, it's perfect. You can, there is no dress up or dress down for me, by the way, it's always dress up. <laughs> I, I agree with it's you. Always I, have dress another, down. <laughs> I have another level of dress up because I do have the formal wear dress up things I'd wear that I, Honestly, I probably would wear it in my office except for the floor length stuff, but I mean, not as often, right? It's not every day I'm going to have a chiffon overdress at the office, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it's awfully fun. I love it. We had, um, we had some garments we wanted to talk about a little bit more specifically um, that might be great for, for comfort sewing and feel free, um, Nandita, to either comment on the ones we mentioned or name some others as you have. Um, thoughts on it. One of the things we thought folks might want to sew for comfort cozy, which is sort of our theme this month, might be sweaters as an example. Um, and I know there, there's a ton of them out there. One I wanted to mention was the Rebecca Page um, circle cardigan pattern. That's just been updated in the last several months to a larger set of sizing. When I originally bought it, it hit my size, but didn't go particularly far beyond that. Um, this is literally it's a circle. It's just a giant circle that waterfall fronts down the waterfalls down the front and you slap some sleeves in it. It's just a giant ass circle, like 
no joke. Um, and you can do it sleeveless, short sleeve, three quarter or long sleeves. You can line it or not. You can have inseam pockets or patch pockets. I did it in the, the laziest way possible. I used long sleeves, no pockets, no lining, because I was just testing out the shape to see if I liked it. And I did, but I felt like I needed a little bit more size. And so now that it's been updated, I'm going to try it again. It now goes to an 81 inch chest and 85 inch hips is the body it's designed for is up through that sizing. Um, I, I, I think I apologize, 76 inch chest, 80 inch hips. I was super close. Wrong notes. Um, but I love it. I think it's a lot of fun, but it's one where you mentioned Ponte and no Florida, but the way that it um, holds a drape like that, I think a circle cardigan could be a lot of fun in a Ponte. And so now that's sort of my, my dream test fabric is finding myself a thick black scuba that I could do this puppy in. Cause that would be, I think that would be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> Beverly, do you have a favorite sweater pattern or one you'd like to mention? Um, you know, I made a cardigan last year from Style Arc. It's the the Style Arc Nina cardigan. And it is also sort of a, it, but it's a one that goes down to about your thighs. And um, you can have it elbow length or, or wrist length or whatever. And I love it because I, I bought like a, a ribbed sweater knit. And, um, and the edges are just done with your overlocker. So it's kind of like nice and easy to put together. It took me such a short amount of time, but I always get really nice compliments on it um, because it just looks, it looks fancier than it is. You know, it feels like secret pajamas, but it looks, it looks fancier than it is. No, that's wonderful. I actually have a ribbed knit right now. That's multicolor that I haven't figured out what the hell to make out of. So maybe I'll start looking at sweater patterns as a possibility. Do you have uh, a favorite sweater, Nandita? Do you make, oh, you probably don't even make sweaters. I, I a Florida sweater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the 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 closest I'd get would probably be, um, I'd probably extend the sleeves on the chive, that style, just where there's a, a little of a, I wouldn't say a mock turtleneck, but it's a higher, a higher neckline. But if I may, since we were talking about jumpsuits and secret pajamas, my vote, my most favorite jumpsuit pattern to date is Ellie and Mac South Shore romper and jumpsuit. Oh, I don't know this one. It is my favorite. It's actually the first jumpsuit I ever made. And depending on what knit fabric you choose, you can do um, three quarter sleeves. You can do sleeveless. You can do short. Again, you can change the sleeves out to your liking, but the chest range is from 29 to 60 inches and the hips are from 33 and a half to 63. Awesome. I just pulled that one up. I, I think that one's, uh, yeah, definitely a cute one. And it comes with a matching kids romper. So one of the, when I first came back to sewing, one of the things I did all the time was anybody who also sold children's patterns, I bought them because I thought, oh, I'm going to have matching duchess coats for all of us. I'm going to have you know, all these other things, which I've never actually ended up doing. Although this season I do plan to do five out of four has like onesie pajamas and I'm going to do a set in polar fleece for everybody (laughs) for Christmas. That's my plan is to force my entire family, my entire family (laughs) into some (laughs) horrifically loud Santa themed or whatever, you know, 
um, polar fleece <laughs> footy pajamas without the feet. So, so on cardigans, I don't want to go into these deep because I haven't actually made them myself, but I did want to mention there were two recently released patterns. One is the Aspen by Mayraki, M-E-Y-R-A-K-I patterns. Um, and this one is, uh, it's got a gathering at the back waist and back collar, deep pockets and clean lines. It's not buttoned up. I think it's left open. Um, and it's one that you can just toss on over something. It's a really cute one goes to a 65 inch hip, 61 inch chest. And then so English fabrics has, um, the Camden cardigan, uh, which is a faced cardigan that comes and links going from cropped to duster which I thought was neat because it's cr cropped for me as my favorite length of a cardigan. And if it's not cropped, I like duster lengths. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of a all or nothing on my cardigan length. And I, I thought that one was neat. But what I really loved about it is it came with the option to slap a hood on it. And oh, I am intrigued nice. by hoods, even though I'm not convinced they're right for me. Like, I'm not sure I like them, but I think the concept is so great in sweaters. So. <laughs> Um, I know one of the other things we talked about as a possibility for folks, if they wanted to make something cozy and comfortable was quilts, which I know Beverly, you've, you've mentioned that you'd, you'd be interested in doing something more with. I would, I've only ever made like art quilts that you hang on the wall that are like really, I've put like a million quilting stitches in them with pearl cotton and stuff. So they, even if they were full size, they wouldn't be comfortable because they're like stiff from all that. But my grandma made her quilts with just, she tied them. And mm -hmm. so they were very simple shapes. Um, sometimes she would do more complicated blocks, but in general, her quilts were leftover fabric that were just squares put together and she tied them. And I thought, you know, maybe I'd like to do something like that for, to have co comfy and cozy on the couch. Of course we do have, we have a lot of blankets on the couch. Um, but cause we've got these dogs that are like princesses and, um, <laughs> they need these quilts or comfies, but, um, Nandita, have you ever made a quilt? I have not. I actually made my children's blankets with just fleece that I would get on sale. And then I mm -hmm. would not necessarily quilt them, but go ahead and bind them and anything that they were into pirates. So it was all pirate theme, but not much of a quilter. No, I thought about it and then I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I haven't quilted a lot recently, but it is something I've done a lot of over the years, but very few of those that are, are here in our home because I've always done them as gifts for others. But right now, one of the things I'm working on is like, the laziest form of quilting you can have. I, I bought some flannel and I, I <clears throat> pre-washed it. So it thickened up and shrunk nicely. And I'm lining up my, my plaids so that it's the same on both sides. So I'm going to quilt along the stripes to make it super simple for myself. But all I've done is I bought um, just over two and a quarter yards, two and a quarter, two and a third yards of fabric. I've washed it, surged the end so that I'm ending at the same point on my flannel, uh, on my plaid. And I'm sewing the end, just folding it in half and sewing the end straight across. And then I'll turn it so that that seam is on the inside. And I'm going to leave the little edges that come on the flannel in the, um, what do you call that? What's the side, the side of fabric called? The salvage, mean, the salvage. There you go, the salvage. So I'm going to leave the salvage, which has the little threads hanging off of it. I'm going to leave it once I turn it inside out. And I'm just going to sew straight lines following the plaid in both directions to make a lightweight lap quilt for my mother to use in her wheelchair and in her recliner. Because I think that's... Are you going to put batting in it? 
I am not putting batting in it. The uh-huh. flannel comes quite thick. And okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it this way so it's a lightweight one. She does have heavier heavier blankets available to her, including I think four different quilts that I've made her. Mm. <laughs> um, but this one's intended to be easily maneuverable in her wheelchair as well. So when she moves from space to space in the nursing home she's in, she can carry this with her. And I thought this would make just a really great, super simple, lightweight blanket for something like that. So that's an idea. If you're not not prepared to do full-on quilting, consider making the fabric do the work for you. Even if you wanted to put batting in the inside of it, if you use plaids or other directional prints that have obvious lines or things to follow when you quilt, <laughs> you can make your job easier. Yeah. And so that's that's something I, I thought I'd suggest as an option. Um, I'm also, I've got this quilt that's hanging behind me that I haven't, I haven't done anything with yet. That's just a giant star quilt, um, that I'm considering, uh, quilting up so that I can make the bodice of a, of a dress out of it, or maybe make the, uh, Megan Nielsen Hovia jacket out of, because I think that would be, uh, perfectly lovely as well. So. You don't have much need for jackets though, Nandita, right? Not really. I, I, I don't, I mean, it does get <laughs> cold. I'm in Northeast Florida, but as long as the sun is out, it doesn't feel as cold and I'll layer, you know, maybe like a jean jacket or a a crop jacket. I rarely wear full length sleeves, maybe elbow or three quarter. Mm -hmm. I just, um, I have a Cape that I really love, which is basically a big circle and it's got a faux fur collar and I'll throw that over it. But if it's super cold, I'm not going to go anywhere. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. I like it. That's about it. I have been known to cancel plans because of the weather. It's a running joke. Like, oh, no, I can't. The weather's bad. <laughs> That's how my mother feels about the weather, too. And when she lived in Florida, it was the same thing. If it was too cold, she's like, yeah, nah, I'm good. I'll just stay home. Yeah. So I can understand that. Up here, I really have to be, and it's much less snowy here, I'm sure, than it is where Beverly is. But for me, it's really got to be, there's enough snow that I can't stop at stop signs. At that point, I'm pretty much not traveling, but, uh, <laughs> but until that level. <laughs> I just don't like to socialize. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, other things we thought might be super comfortable for folks to make might be robes. I know that Mana and Broad has their new Medlow robe, um, which is a wonderful deep overlap with really deep pockets and Seems like an absolutely gorgeous robe. I've never been much of a robe person, but it has me tempted. Yeah. I've never been much of a robe person either. I am now because um, we uh, we have two bathrooms in this house and I like the one downstairs. And so I take my shower downstairs and then, you know, I can walk upstairs naked or I can put a robe on. Um, and so, you know, I've been more more into robes lately. Maybe the robe is the gift I need to give my neighbors by making myself one because that is, that is <laughs> yeah, one of the too. rules I don't follow as well as I should. And right out, right outside of my window, that's my next door neighbor's yard, like 20 feet over oh. and their, their home has a view. Um, <laughs> and I am not always as perhaps <clears throat> cognizant of the other denizens of my street in my wandering <laughs> in my house. So Perhaps the Medlow robe becomes my gift to them. That one maxes out at a 64-inch chest and a 71.5-inch hip. 
and minimizes out at a 40 inch chest and 41 and a half inch hips. Um, I, I can tell when Beverly's gone through my little notes I'm reading from because <laughs> I'm so focused on the top end of it. I forget that, especially with Mono and Broad, there are people who fall below the measurements. <laughs> um, there's also just yep. a brief mention. Sorry. I was just going to ask Nandita if she has a favorite robe. I actually do not make robes. It's, um, I don't actually like a lot of things on me. So I think that's why I prefer the dresses. You put it on and you've got the one piece and then you put on your jewelry or whatever you want and you're out the door. If it's a matter of a camisole and then there's another shirt on top of it and then you've got pants and every, it's, it's just too much for me. So I don't like a lot of fabric on me, which is why going back to the midi and the maxis, I would shy away from because I felt like I was drowning in fabric. But yeah. I've learned now how to make things for my height and my short waist. So I, I no longer shy away from that. So that's something that I'll wear. I'll wear a maxi all year long because I know that it's not going to be floating and I'm not going to get tripped up on it. But as far as a robe, I have made them as gifts in the past, but I don't I don't wear them. And if I'm wearing pajamas all day, they're really super ratty and everybody else can enjoy the view. I don't care. <laughs> i'm at the point where i can look away <laughs> i'm looking that's your for problem like, not mine <laughs> little little sh i want little shearling slippers that's the thing i want this christmas is i want shearling slippers to wander around the house in and i feel like those would go really well with a robe <laughs> that it would be like a super combination for my weekends and maybe encourage me not to leave the house on weekends, but hard to say. I did find one other um, robe pattern that I thought looked interesting. It's the pearl jacket and robe, so it can be worn as a jacket or not. And it has pleated trim down the front edge, which I thought made it sort of interesting. And that was by Chain Chambre Blue Sewing. And that one came to a max 58 inch chest and 68 inch hip. We had also talked about maybe sweatpants, sweatshirts. I will say I found a bunch of joggers that kind of looked like they could be sweatpants. But when you search on sweatpants, I wasn't finding as much. Now, I would never wear such a thing. So I, I kind of gave up quick. Um, but, but the Caramia sweatshirt is, of course, going to be my go-to for a sweatshirt to wear. I, I think that one's beyond fabulous. And I did make myself just the sweatshirt version, which has a different level of ease built into it than the dress does. Um, and it's a super cute little cropped sweatshirt that looks great with a, a pencil skirt or a, probably jeans, but I, you know, when am I going to do that? So, um, but that one's super, super cute. Do you have joggers that you would recommend Beverly? Cause I know you're into that Listen, more than I am. This is like, this is my comfort zone right here is wearing sweatpants <laughs> and t-shirts. Like that's every day when I get home from work, I want to put on some sweatpants. Um, and my favorite joggers pattern, um, that I, I've worn since I made this right when I started sewing is these Arcadia joggers by stitch upon a time. The leg pieces are just one piece, you know, and you kind of fold them around. Yeah. Um, and so they're quick to sew up. I don't really remember. I should check, but I don't remember if they have pockets. If I don't, I don't use them. So I didn't, I didn't put them in there. I don't 
really need them in my joggers. Um, but I also like the, uh, true bias Hudson pants and they're called pants, but they're, they're sweatpants, joggers kind of things. And they've recently upgraded their sizing so that they're up to a 59 and a half inch hip. Now they come, they're available in kid size in, I guess, traditional masculine size. I've made those for gym. The, the, the men's version is not, um, is not in an extended size range, I don't believe. But they have a very nice pocket on them. It's a kind you like, Jenny, where it's kind of like the like a jeans pocket where it's yeah you know, over like the little cutaways. Yeah. Yes. And it has um this really nice trim on it, which is this um it would be a nice way you could you could make things a little fancier. Like I used it has um so the waistband, the cuffs, and that trim there could all be in ribbing. And I did that on a pair that I made for Jim uh with a different color, you know. So you could do that or same color, or whatever. I like to use both elastic in the waist and a drawstring. I think that's really comfortable. And as far as t-shirts go, there's so many t-shirts on the market, so many free ones too, actually. But it took me a lot of finding the the t-shirts that I like. And my very favorite one is the Toronto tee, but that's a very relaxed t-shirt. That's an at-home shirt. I mean, I can wear it to work at my job because as a scientist, I can wear whatever I want, but um, <laughs> a, a slightly like elevated uh, t-shirt that is now being, um, it's also a free t-shirt, but it's now being re-released in a extended size range along with the Sirocco jumpsuit is the plantain tee from Deer and Doe. And that's a very comfortable and it's a more stylish t-shirt, but it's still very, very comfortable. It's a little bit fitted across the chest, but really flowy at the hips. So those are my comfy recommendations. Yeah. I, I do love the Mana and Bra Tali tee as well. That's one of my favorites. Um, and I've extended it into a dress because what am I going to do with a tee? So that's that's been my my experience with that as well. I hadn't thought about t-shirts as a comfortable thing just because I, for me, as uh, Nandita was mentioning earlier, some things sort of take you back to your childhood or your young adulthood. And t-shirts are one for me that I I never experienced what I wanted to in them. Sure, I could go to the fat lady store and find a t-shirt that was going to fit me. But what all my friends were wearing were band t-shirts and t-shirts from restaurants locally and things like this. And none of that crap fit me. That was all like the worst possible shape and look on me, even if I could squeeze myself into it. And I could, I was, I was smaller then than I am now. And they definitely, you know, if they came up to a three X, I could take a three X and make it work, but it was so straight and such heavy scratchy material. And the neckline was wrong and the sleeves were wrong and everything about it was awful that I, I don't really think of t-shirts as comfortable. I think of them as I don't know, something that make, it takes me back to a place where I don't feel good about myself. <laughs> so, so it's, I, I just don't think of them that way. So when you, when we had talked about it, you know, sweatshirts, sweatpants, things like that, never even occurred to me that a t-shirt could be a comfortable garment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Do you make t-shirts, Nandita? I don't make a whole lot. I'm starting to. I'm actually, it's funny you mentioned that because my favorite jogger style pant is made by Ray, the Luna pants and those are from you can go she's extended her sizing on them for the hip it is goes up to a 59 inch hip and it starts at a four hips 34 and a half all the way up to 59 
Yeah. And I've made several, several, and it's actually for wovens, but you could easily accommodate for hip. I mean, for knit, no problem. But as far as t-shirts go, like I said, I have um, the chive that I will use, you know, and kind of probably change up the sleeve here a little bit soon and use a different lighter knit. And I've got a few big four patterns, t-shirts that I'll probably sew up. Same as Jenny. It's not something that ever fit me well. Being short, the t-shirts were always like a dress or a tunic on me and too wide in the shoulders, just not really a good fit. And same thing, you know, the band merch from concerts, I wasn't going to spend 40 bucks on that and not feel and look good. So I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was always what slowed me down. Nowadays I have a bunch of them. I've made them into undergarments, um, though I've learned through having made four or five dozen pairs of underwear that I can make them so they fit. But I really just like my my little lightweight, seamless, or cotton panties that I get from a, a retailer. I'm very satisfied with how they fit, the lightweightness, et cetera. And I've, I've been unsuccessful in finding material that makes me satisfied and sewing my own undergarments. So I'm pleased I can do it, but I don't have any interest in continuing to do it. So that's just one of those weird things. I will um, recommend, again, I mentioned the style maker for the jersey they have their modal jersey and i'm going to link it in the show notes i highly recommend if people are making t-shirts to give this a try because it just seems like exactly the right weight for a t-shirt it's a little bit heavier than like i don't like rayon jersey for t-shirts because it feels like it's too clingy to me because it's so thin and you really have to stabilize the shoulders on this on rayon jersey and mm-hmm. or, or so it doesn't sag down and this modal jersey that it's a modal cotton jersey that style style maker sells and i love it so i'm gonna so that. my other like really humiliating confession is that i have in fact bought clear elastic for stabilizing shoulders so <laughs> Dear God. You know what I use, actually? I use the salvage of other, uh, of woven fabrics to stabilize the the shoulders. I don't even use the Not a bad idea. I have a whole, (laughs) I have a whole giant container of salvages from woven fabrics because I always think I'm going to make one of those awesome salvage quilts. I am not just spoiler alert, not going to happen, but I do have a giant container of them on the theory that maybe I will. Um, so perhaps that's something I can do when I run out of my clever, kicky, clear elastic. Um, <laughs> yeah. The other thing that uh, interested me was uh, after my adventures in trying to make socks slash slippers for my mom, I thought, well, I wonder if there's sock patterns out there to sew up. And I was only able to find one um, that looked reasonable to me. And it's a freebie from Tilly and the Buttons. Nobody seems to have them that go into large calf widths, but for the most part, they seem to be made out of things that would be stretchy enough that you could probably figure that the, the width of the calf out yourself if you felt like you wanted to make yourself something. I honestly just recommend going to UGG and buying yourself some shearling slippers and call that your comfort <laughs> sewing for the day. Uh, <laughs> I bet Beverly, though, has an even better idea. Well, I don't sew socks and slippers. I knit uh-huh. them. So and... she's offering one pair to every listener. <laughs> I think that's what I heard. Um. I mean, they take it takes so much longer than sewing to knit something. <laughs> but I do enjoy uh, socks without seams. I agree with you. I used to love it when I could knit my own socks, but um, I'm allergic to wool. <laughs> Which made mm-hmm. knitting socks complicated because there's not a lot of stuff I found that had enough recovery if you're allergic yeah. to wool. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm going to guess 
Nandita, you do not wear as many socks as you might. I don't like socks at all. Only if they have rhinestones bedazzled all over them and their knee socks that I wear to a concert. I do have some of those. I also will wear thigh highs every now and again, but I really despise like full pantyhose with the waistband and that seam. No, it's not going to happen. Forget it. But I did want to mention that the socks, Petite Stitchery has a pair, a pattern that goes up to size 13 foot and they have different height as mid-level socks and it's called the Opal Tights and Socks. And I've seen several makers make them with larger calves and they look amazing. That is so good to hear because that's something I'm definitely interested in exploring. So thank you. I appreciate that resource. When you said that, I was like, wait, I have seen a pattern. I thought about making my own um, like knee high socks. And then I decided against it because you can just get them really inexpensive. I wear them more as an accessory versus for (laughs) utility. So it really wasn't really worth my time to or energy to to do that. But yeah, I will order fun bedazzled socks, you know, conversation piece. (laughs) I I love that. I think there's a couple of events I go to in the winter here where I would really love to have some polar fleece tights because I'm going to wear a skirt. I'm going to wear like a little useless jacket that does nothing to keep me warm over it. If I had polar fleece tights, I'd be a lot happier. So I'm I'm definitely going to go out and check those out because that might be um, a really great solution for that couple of times a year thing that I need. Um, Our last suggestion for things you might make that are comforting things, um, we're really related to making pillows or eye pillows or things like that. And and we've got a few links for you on that. One of them is just a tutorial for the burrito style pillowcase. There's a thousand of these tutorials out there. You can literally just start typing in DIY pillowcase space B, and then all the burritos are going to pop up right there and you can learn how to do it. And it's just a really neat method to give you that sort of edge trim where all of the seams are encased within the pillowcase itself, within the the border itself. And so it's super cute. I have used this for years as my go-to last minute Christmas gift for children. If I suddenly discover there's somebody who's going to be coming over, I'm likely to see that's a child. I am probably going to go buy myself some character fabric from the quilting section in my local quilt shop and uh, build them a pillowcase out of it because it's it's quick, it's easy, and kids feel super special when they get a pillowcase that's just for them. So that's something I do there. The other thing I think is really amazing is um, lavender-scented eye pillows. I am prone, no longer prone to migraines. I had those a long time. I had migraines, but I still get headaches, and especially on stressful weeks, I get them. And I find that having a weighted eye pillow is just really marvelous. And I found two of those that I love. The By Hand London one I've made myself. It's it's a basic rectangle. There's nothing super fancy about it. But I also discovered that So For Home with the letter number four instead of the word four has what they call a Scrap Buster Soothing Scented Eye Pillow, which is shaped so it looks like aviators, you know, straight across the top and then two cir- semicircles <laughs> for the bottom. And, um, and they have like mini pom-pom trim around it. And I thought, Ooh. oh yeah, I'm into this. This is, this is a hundred percent what I need for my eye pillow. Cause if I could add some pom-poms and maybe some rickrack, possibly applique on eyeballs or something, I would be so <laughs> ecstatic. So, so when it comes to comfort, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of that lavender scented joy. You know, I think, um, 
I think it would be nice too to make some pillows like for my couch. We don't have many pillows on the couch. I have a very comfortable couch. It's um it's not the most stylish thing, oh, but it's that's one of cute. these. Oh, that's really cute. Oh, cute. Yeah, I like that. It's good fabric too on that. Um <laughs> I have uh, I have a sectional couch that's super super cozy, and I don't think about pillows, but it would be nice to make some some cool pillows for there. Nandi, do you do home deck stuff? Have you? Yes, have I you do. Made I've made I've made pillows. I've made a lot of pillows. I've made actually um, blankets where you could put your feet in them. So I made like a pocket. And I use basically, I need that. Yeah. What you basically do is make a huge rectangle or I did a square and it was leftover fabric from the curtains that I had sewn. And then I lined it in fleece and I made like a little envelope pocket and then you just put your feet in it. And of course it had trim. It was beautiful, but my children loved it so much that they shoved their feet into it as far as it could go. So it fell apart, but that was years ago, but I made a bunch of blankets for the sofa. We like our blankets and pillow covers and I've made tote bags with any leftover fabric that mm-hmm. I've had and just switch up the handles, make like mini purses. But mainly if, with the home deck, that's how I started. So I've made a lot of that, a lot. Yeah, I uh, I hear about the pocket on the blanket and I immediately think I would fall and kill myself because <laughs> I would forget it was there. But, but I like <laughs> the concept. I just think I might not be the target market, but it's possible I could damage myself. But that's very clever. I love that idea. That's great. So what is the most comfortable thing that you've ever made? Wow, that's a stumper. <laughs> what about you, Nandita? The South Shore romper and jumpsuit. I can't say enough good things. That's great. That's yeah. Ellie and Mac has my heart because of that pattern. So what fabric did you make it with? The first one I actually did was a double brush poly, which I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of. If I'm being honest, I don't really much care for it. Hot, it's not, yeah. yeah, it's hot. It's not breathable, but the drape was fantastic. And I had mm-hmm. never tried it before. Then the second one I did in a really inexpensive Jersey and it was just gorgeous, but awful to sew. So I wore that three times and then I cut it all up because I couldn't take it anymore, but I loved it. And then I've done a bunch in Liverpool, which gives it a little bit more of heft and weight. And I think it kind of makes it look even more polished, if I may, because Mm -hmm. the Liverpool isn't as drapey. And I will probably make it again this season in a foiled Liverpool that I've ordered because I was trying to think about that between that and the deer and doe that's supposed to be released soon. So I'm hoping to do both of them again. So where do you buy your Liverpool? I actually prefer Etsy. I use a few different people on Etsy. um, Do you think that Liverpool varies a lot in the quality from where you get it? It does. It It does. does. I would say that um, there is a particular Liverpool that I found on, uh, on, on Etsy that had such great weight, but it doesn't, um, it had, the foil almost stuck together, the treatment they had done, mm-hmm. and I didn't care for that. So okay. I can't off the top of my head remember that store, but it does not have a heart on my list. But as far well, as... It, maybe you can send a, one of your favorite ones to me and I'll put it in our show notes. Well, I will say, if I may, um, Nicole Elise Textiles, she has some gorgeous Liverpool. But with her, she likes to sell them in four-yard bundles too, which I love. I love that because I like to buy knits, even though they're wider in four yards, because I like to make a bunch of things out of the same fabric. 
So my most favorite Liverpool, and it is up on my grid, is a watercolor floral that I bought from her. And she has a lot of different offerings, but my Liverpool, for what I love, for apparel, her Liverpool is really good quality. I'll have to check that out because I have only ever purchased a very inexpensive, like, discount store Liverpool, and I didn't care for it. But um, I'm going to have to give a nicer quality one a, ch- a shot. I like it better with a with a heavier hand. I like it better when it's a little bit, yeah, a little bit firmer. Um, yeah. And and I agree, it varies wildly across <laughs> across possible um, versions. I have uh, a Chris I print fabric for um, for sale, and the the source that I have makes what I think is a a, a fairly nice um, weight of it that I have uh, that I have in my Zeno Mingos currently with a black background. And I, I think that one's fairly nice, but well, Jenny, while we have you, what about continuous faces in that Liverpool then? <laughs> yeah, that's, um, I've got, a, I've got a test coming back. Um, I am awaiting, I'm told that I have a shipment coming next week, which has a whole bunch of things I'm testing out to see what I think of them. So I think that's definitely an option. Because um, continuous faces to- is my most favorite and I'm still hoarding it. I agree with you. It is my most favorite as well. And we're working on some other colorways too coming up. So we've got, we've got some thoughts on it. Um, we just haven't, I haven't got there yet. It's uh, my day job is taking up way too much of my time. <laughs> Damn day jobs. <laughs> I mean, man, it turns out I like paying my bills. So, um, you know, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. Um, All right. So what's your most comfortable thing you've ever made, Jenny? So when I think about it, when I try and come down to my ultimate answer, it isn't a secret pajama thing at all. There's absolutely no secret pajamas to it. Um, I think in the end, my absolute most comfortable, if I, if I had to save one item from my closet, if that was all I could save, it would be um, my Upton dress that I made in a linen blend. And it is because it fits exactly right. I don't have to tug a shoulder. I don't worry that when I sit down, my boobs spill out. When I'm seated, the waist is perfectly comfortable. But when I stand, it still looks like it's fitted, even though it's got obviously some ease or I wouldn't be able to sit comfortably in it. Um, It hits exactly where I want it to in length. It just, it does all the things. And so it's, probably not technically the most comfortable thing I wear. There's probably clothing I put on my body where, you know, there's never, I never feel an itch from a seam or, or whatever else. But the thing that makes me feel most like me is an Upton dress out of a high quality material that fits me how I intended. And Mm -hmm. part of that is probably that Cashmere is the first company I found that designed even sort of for my body, keeping in mind that their hip size didn't come up to my size until they extended sizing last year. Um, but but the chest size and the waist size hit mine, so I was okay. And there's there's I'm sure there's some sort of nostalgia thing where I think about it and I'm like, oh, this is the first designer who seemed to see my body. And that that feeds into it. But I feel the most me, which is what I think I'm going to interpret comfort to mean in this scenario is, Mm -hmm. is that's the garment that makes me feel the most like me. Mm -hmm. Where does your comfort live? 
Well, other than the uh, sweatpants that I told you about, because I, I do wear those uh, Arcadia jog- joggers. I put them on three or four evenings a week, like just sitting yeah. around. Like, I mean, I, hey. so they are very, very comfortable. That's a um, testament. But, <laughs> yeah. And um, the other one, like the tops that I like are th- this, um, this one from the Chris Woods sews. Um, Is that your silky noir? Mm-hmm. Silky Noil um, parasol top. I love it. It just sits, just hangs nicely and I love it. And then the other one is a rayon linen blend of the Fiber Mood Roseanne. Uh, that also yeah. just hangs just nicely and I just feel good in it. So um, I guess, and that part of that too is the sizing that I have just, just exactly how I like. Yeah, that's nice. That's I bet for a lot of people, that's where your comfort zone hits is when the sizing finally, finally you've dialed it into exactly perfect because all of us, no matter what our bodies look like, have to dial it in some. Comfort, we've talked about sizing, we've talked about textures, we've talked about fabric, but that sense of feeling safe, even within your clothing, also gives great comfort. So the designers we've mentioned, I think have really made not only an effort, but are honing in on their own craft recognizing that people of all sizes and shape want to feel safe and have that comfort. So I think mediums here and avenues for people to talk about it and not just podcasts, but put it out on social media that we're trying, we're making an effort. And sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they don't. I think part of it is that we all keep working together so that we can all be comfortable regardless. Absolutely. Great point. Yeah. yeah, that's the, the best point to end the podcast on, I'd say, today. <laughs> All right. See, see you, you next Tuesday. Tuesday. The Punk Frackers is created, produced, and edited by Beverly Baptiste and Jenny Hassler. On Instagram, you can find the podcast at Punk Frackers. You can find Jenny at J.O. Hassler and Beverly at Weeds to Wildflowers. Our artwork and music is created and performed by Jim Duran. You can find him on Instagram and his website at jimduran.art.